0: You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus.
1: Well, let me welcome all to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. George. George, and with us today to discuss the book of Esther is Megan. Megan Jenkins. Thanks for joining us. Glad
0: to be here.
1: So, as you know, as a church, we just completed a ten-week expository sermon series through Esther, and you're with us today because you beat me to the punch. Uh, you had the whole book outlined <laughs> before I did. Uh, I had to work hard to do my own work. And to boot, you're also an avid sermon note taker. With a keen mind for scripture and a clear love for Jesus and his people. Wow, thanks. And so, yeah, there you go. We are glad to have you with us like that about me. Never. (laughs) That's not true. I know, I know. All right, so we ready? Oh, yeah. Okay, Okay, here we go. Megan or George, how would you summarize uh, the book
2: of Esther? What's the the main message here? here? You go. Okay. I mean, God is sovereign. I mean, even when he's sort of unseen, he's still sovereign. Even when you're a people in exile, he's still actually faithful to his people yeah. um, to protect them and care for them. And and because he's leading to, again, full salvation through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's looking down through his people to, to how he's going to bring salvation. So yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I like how we see that with Really small details, but also, you know, the the part about how the king couldn't sleep. God was sovereign in mm-hmm. that. So even in the lives of the greatest rulers, he is sovereign and in and control and, and at work, even if they're not willing to change or, you know, any of that stuff. But mm. he can use anyone, um, even those who have denied him and turned away from their faith, or hidden it away, like we see with Mordecai, or Mm -hmm. those who have compromised their morals, their standards, Mm -hmm. and given in to the pressures of this world, like Esther.
2: Right. I think he also, uh, so there's this, we we kind of put up a false dichotomy of, there's a pre-covenant, and then there's a post-covenant. There's Jesus, and then there's the law. This book kind of really fleshes out abrahamic covenant before that kind of overarching both Mm -hmm. i'm going to bless Mm -hmm. those who bless you i'm going to curse those who curse you Mm -hmm. and you see that playing out through the people of haman through esther through mordecai and how Mm -hmm. he responds to their faithfulness or lack thereof right yeah yeah it's a good
1: uh a good look into again there's sort of a israel as a type of of the church in the new testament Mm -hmm. we were just in first peter where we saw uh Peter calling Christians elect exiles. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what we're looking mm-hmm. at there in, in Esther as well, even sure. though exile is, has ended for them. Like some people have gone back to Jerusalem. You, this is where you have right. Nehemiah and Esther, or, or Ezra. And Esther is a significant part of that uh, okay. storyline at that point You know, right. uh, of redemption. So really, I thought uh, stepping back from it and thinking about God's, sovereignty yes but but more specifically his sovereignty exercised graciously towards his people Mm -hmm. and even more specifically towards his people when they were far off Mm -hmm. from him Mm -hmm. like he continues to go after them to pursue them and to labor for their ultimate good in christ and so to to be able to see that i thought was was really good there in Esther. so What special contribution, then, do you think uh, it makes to the overall story and canon of Scripture? We're alluding to it somewhat there, but uh, what are your thoughts on overall contribution?
0: I thought about um, how clear it made the gospel, how relevant it felt reading about these broken people and... um, you know, you talked about how the gospel is our very own counter edict. Hmm. And I just love that, thinking about how it reverses some things, hmm. it fulfills some things. and But reading about these real people who truly lived and died and, and yeah. struggled and did all these things, and they had a really rough start. You know, we see them compromise and hide and not have faith in certain moments, and that's our reality far more often than we want to admit, hmm. and so it just it brought the gospel home, and I just felt like you know these are relatable, normal people, even though they existed in a palace and a time far from our own, but um, yeah. they were just relatable.
2: Yeah. I see, you know, Jesus teaching on, you know, rivers of water, a fountain of, you know, whatever, and light coming out of this celebration. And it's, you know, kind of bookmarking of Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. kind of get this feel what of is salvation played out and then Jesus actually yeah. using it in his teaching. So, mm-hmm. and celebration here is purine. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I look at it, I think.
1: Um, again, thinking about the, the Jewish folks in Ezra and Nehemiah and the rebuilding and all this kind of thing, like they were under that edict of death. Sure. Like that, we don't have Ezra and Nehemiah without Esther and the work of God through Mordecai and Esther sure. there. And uh, ultimately then, as we think about, again, the, the big picture of the Bible if, they, if, if something doesn't happen there mm-hmm. to turn things around and the Jewish race or ethnicity is is cut off, the Jewish people are are extinct, then we have no Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have no Messiah. Jesus does not come. Right. And so uh, ultimately there is no salvation. Mm-hmm. Like all of that is is right here um, on the line in Esther and, and God's preservation of his people.
2: Mm-hmm. So... Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's very it, it, again, and that's in that way, it is uh, preserving what Christ ultimately is going to to be and do and uh, bring forward for His people.
0: One other thing I wrote down, just that we can see how God met those people, mm-hmm. those Esther and Mordecai, and they they were met in a place of weakness and temptation when they weren't really doing well, uh, and. Mm-hmm he met them to redeem them and to use them as part of his plan. And so that gives me hope. And I think that's what the Bible is about. Like it's a story of brokenness that meets with redemption and sure along the way, there's failure, there's hesitation, all of those things, but, um, and seasons of waiting, like the Jews experienced in Mm -hmm. this, in the story. But, um, we, we know the ending. We know that Jesus has the victory, and so um, it's kind of it's fun to see the story play out in this small piece of the Bible that's mm-hmm. true of the whole, the whole entire Bible. Right. It's like a the gospel under a microscope.
1: Yeah, yeah that's good. All right, like I mentioned uh, in prep here, a little bit of a curveball. But um, <laughs> how do you think Esther speaks to us in our particular cultural moment as
2: Christians? any thoughts there sure i mean it, it, esther plays a lot especially in the early sections on the syncretism um, yep. that we find mm-hmm. a lot of in our day wanting to fit in and not stand out yeah um where it's a threat to appear to to stand out and, and stand up for what you actually believe yeah. or associate yourself with god's people mm-hmm. increasingly that probably is going to be our experience and so, mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah, so we have a, an issue of toleration here, mm-hmm. so re- religious toleration yep. at one level on, with Haman and wanting to just end uh, the, the the entirety of the people because of one man uh, because mm-hmm. he would not bow before him, and yeah. uh, so that's definitely in the in the book. Any other thoughts on just how it relates to our our cultural moment right now?
0: We've talked a lot about how God is never mentioned by name in this book. Yeah. And so I think we live yeah. in a world where it's frowned upon to mention it's and
1: unmentionable.
0: So I just think that tone is relatable as well. Mm-hmm. We can feel that. Yeah. Um so that that's just familiar to us that there's that pressure like you're saying to fit in and all of that, but more so than that just to shy away from mentioning the name of God and
2: hmm. Rely on ourselves
0: mm-hmm
1: so. yeah yeah and to again I think so, so sort of along the lines of um, having a, a bold public faith right you see mm-hmm. Mordecai and Esther are not we mentioned this in one of the sermons but but they're they're not clergy right, right? they're working in government essentially mm-hmm. one ends up being a queen uh, one is Some other, he ends up being second in the kingdom, uh, but he appears to be working some job within the government of of Persia at that time. Mm -hmm. And throughout the course of the story, you're seeing them by the gracious working of God becoming more and more public and um, explicit and risky, even uh, Mm -hmm. for the sake of God's people. But they're doing it within uh, the uh, the, the platforms of government that mm-hmm. they have. So it's sure. so an interesting um, call, I think, to, to believers today mm-hmm. to uh, use whatever the platform is for them, to mm-hmm. use it in a way that brings glory to God mm-hmm. and is good ultimately for his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Any particular
2: themes of Esther that stood out for you? I think the big one that stood out for me, I had two things. But the, the first one is really this idea of luck versus destiny versus sovereignty, because mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of play there. Of course, Purim just on the lots Purim. and the chance yeah. And, yeah. and the luck of the draw, but really ultimately they're they're seeing that God is sovereign in it. Mm-hmm. But there's always this pull back to destiny, and you have Mordecai. You know what? Do you know? You know that. You know, what if it was just this moment you're here for? Mm-hmm. But that can be a very just I have no control over this or I have no say in this destiny kind of idea, or mm. God is working so that I would be here in this moment and in this place. And that's kind of where I think Esther settles. But we do have this this theme yeah. of, you know, luck versus destiny versus sovereignty.
0: Mm. Mm. I loved seeing all of the contrasts between thinking about King Ahasuerus and Christ. No. And um, <laughs> so even chapter one, the first banquet and the picture of abundance that King Ahasuerus was trying so hard to <laughs> portray. Mm-hmm. And then contrasting that with the true abundance of our King Jesus and his kingdom, which truly has no end or limit and mm-hmm. is abundantly rich beyond our imagining. And um, and then King Ashurus was generous to gain something from his people and from his military and all of that. Mm-hmm. It was all selfish ambition, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then our king is generous even when it costs him everything and though he stands to gain nothing from us. Yeah um hmm. and then one more um it was always funny to me how the king he seemed very passive and almost incapable of ruling unless he had <laughs> his wise <clears throat> albeit drunk advisors right. around him telling right. him what to do and um just in chapter 1 verse 21 it says it sounded like good sense and so he follows their counsel and then um, in chapter two it was verse four, whatever was appealing to him, he did. And so just seeing that mm. he was so ruled by emotions and in the moment making that decision. But our king, who knows all things, does not need to be advised or taught. Um, he doesn't act on a whim or some kind of fleeting desire that he has to um, to accomplish something just very momentary and temporary and just seeing that the difference in that Mm. just not knowing what to do and looking around for any help you can get and then knowing from eternity what you're going to do Mm -hmm. and acting along that plan forever and not just for your own good but Mm -hmm. for the good of the entire creation and so just that contrast i loved um Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah that was actually my second was yeah that irony of how the king is portrayed i mean basically it mocks his it's a mockery Mm -hmm. it's a mockery (laughs) of the the empire itself and of god's ultimate again we're going to talk sovereignty but i mean i paid way more attention in past readings to like the irony and the reversal with haman and mordecai and esther's kind of turn around and some of the ironies there but Mm -hmm. the irony of the king Really, as you preach through it, was it definitely stood out how Mm -hmm. kind of weak and powerless Mm -hmm. and pitiable Mm -hmm. the king really comes out to be. um, Where he's this world leader that I mean, we know about. We have him in history. We we can read about him, and he (laughs) comes off, you know, completely portrayed differently. Mm -hmm. Not that one is wrong, but you have this sense of from God's vantage point. this from the divine perspective. Ultimately weak and powerless. Just a
0: child, spoiled child, petulant.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think there was probably no sadder moment than the very end, Mm -hmm. where there's been so much change throughout the the story throughout the book, and he basically is just the same guy. Mm -hmm. Like he's been front had a front row seat to to this redemptive story, the working of God and through providence Mm -hmm. for the sake of his people, and has had no effect on him whatsoever. Like, he's the same guy. And it's just a very burdening close for for Ahasuerus.
0: Especially knowing he dies just very shortly after this. After that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A a few for me. Um, I I, uh, sort of underneath the surface here, but the theme of beauty. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, at the beginning of a story, of course, there's so much emphasis put on Esther's physical beauty, her ability to win favor with everybody, basically, because of her Mm -hmm. physical beauty. And yet she is spiritually, we'll just say, not as beautiful. Mm -hmm. But as the story moves along and we assume the working of God's grace in her life, she ultimately becomes someone who... I mean, at one point she comes to the king and in like mourning, she's been fasting and all this kind of, she's put off her trust and her perishable beauty and she's put on hope in God. And so she's become uh, imperishably beautiful by the end of it. And I just think that's a neat theme sort of Mm -hmm. underneath the surface there. The other one that was huge for me, Probably because it's a, a greater personal struggle was just Haman seeing Haman's pride mm. and just the the uh, how incessantly swollen he was <laughs> with his own glory how blinding yeah like it was incredible to just mm-hmm. to just think through it and so that for me was was a huge theme to think through there for a couple of weeks where we really did f- kind of you know focus in on Haman and how he was um, continuing to push forward uh, in the story. Uh, and, uh, I think another one too was just how clear it became, especially towards the end that there's, uh, this, this drawing of a line in the sand that clarified Mm -hmm. God's Mm -hmm. people over against God's enemies and what, what happens with God's enemies over against Mm -hmm. God's people. And I thought that that led to a lot of, um, opportunity just to share the gospel with people who are the enemies of God today. Yeah. That is, they haven't believed in Christ. They're, right. they're yeah. rejecting the gospel. They're rebelling against, um, uh, what God would have them to, to do and to, to believe and, and be saved. And so I thought that was definitely another theme was to, to see that there, there really is just two sides, mm-hmm. you know, they're, are the people of God and there are those who are not the people of God. And, mm-hmm. um, but then to, to to be able to use that as a launching pad to be able to preach the gospel to to people, I thought was was definitely a theme that came came forward for me. And, and I, one of the most powerful moments of that book, I think, is when Haman himself goes to Esther, falls on the couch where Esther is sitting. You know, and yeah. and it's like he he realizes, oh, I'm a dead man. Mm-hmm. You know. He doesn't repent, you know. Like he, does. he's not. It's not about his sin. It's about I just want my life to be spared because he mm-hmm. still loves himself yeah. more than anything else in the world, you know. And so I just thought.
0: And at that point, man, it's too late.
1: Right, it's too late. And to be able to then parallel wow. that and, and throw yes. that out to to folks in our our gathering who maybe were unbelieving, and to say, listen, like mm-hmm. there's going to come a point in time. Uh, you know, don't don't wait too long. Don't wait too. It's too, until it's too late. So I just thought that was definitely the ability to preach the gospel out of Esther was something that was um, surprising to me, which Mm -hmm. leads us here. (laughs) Anything you didn't expect from Esther, but as we went through it, you found this to be surprising or -hmm. something particularly useful for you.
2: I think the only thing that, the thing that kind of stood out in this area was just Esther's choice to actually kind of stand up for her people. I mm-hmm. think in past times reading it, I would have just said, eh, is it really that, it doesn't seem all that much. But kind of looking why? back on it, no, that was quite a thing for God to have <laughs> yeah. worked in her from the mm-hmm. starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really stood out and just kind of punched me like, ooh. Mm-hmm. You have to stand up for a people, not just for yeah. your own person, not just for your own family, but for an entire people yeah. when you're really in exile too. You're not even in your, you know, land. You're not even in your, mm-hmm. you know, not all cylinders are firing. It, you're, you're, but you still kind of stand up when right. it doesn't really bode well. Right. Yeah. Well, you're
1: under a death edict. You haven't seen the king and. A month, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and this is, happens to be, I, the stories, I didn't even throw them into sermons, but the stories about this guy, the king Ahasuerus, and how brutal mm-hmm. he was. Uh, I mentioned one about, I think it was uh, um, someone who, a benefactor for his war against Greece or something like that. And he had like five sons that were part of the the army uh, and he just asked for the oldest. Can I just, can you just send the oldest one home so that he can, you know, he's not in danger and he can continue the family line and stuff like that. And Hashawaris calls for that one and says, cut him in half. Like that's a Hashawaris. He didn't watch Saving Private Ryan. Right. Right, <laughs> right. And this is this, but this is who Esther is, mm-hmm. is going before yeah. in order to, to plead for her people who again are under an edict that, she skillfully kind of works her way around it, but Ahasuerus is part of that edict being mm-hmm. signed into and put in place. Yep. So yeah. Anything else that was surprising there in Esther?
0: I think just how clear the gospel was Yeah. in times past studying or, or hearing, um, this book preached through, it's been very, uh, woman centered, just, you know, all yeah. about biblical womanhood and, and, not as much about just the gospel in general just um Hmm. so I appreciate that that wasn't our experience this time and um just seeing I feel like God just granted this gospel lens it's like every time I read and And heard it preached, it was like, oh my goodness, how could anybody question whether this is supposed to be in Scripture? Because it is so clear. Which it was questioned. Yes, yes. By many,
1: Uh right? Luther, I think, even was curious about whether Esther should be in the canon and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah.
0: I have no doubt now, personally.
1: Yeah, right, right. Well, again, it's like, if this doesn't... But this doesn't happen at the very very mm-hmm. least. Like Christ doesn't come into the world. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the preservation of the messianic line. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Any specific verse or section or theme that captured
2: your heart? Mordecai's persuasion of Esther mm-hmm. like early on. The you know yeah Esther four mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah that stuck out to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. A lot of opportunities to speak to parents. Mm-hmm. and uh, how mm-hmm. they disciple, keep after uh, mm-hmm. their kids. I know she's not and his not kid, as, but, but, but functionally yeah, she, is, she is. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple. So in chapter 4, verse 13, which I think is maybe what you're talking about, when mm. Mordecai says to Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are yeah. killed. Mm-hmm. And just the truth that that points to position and power are not what save us. No mm. one will escape judgment unless mm. rescued from it. And I think yeah. of John fourteen six when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it doesn't yeah. matter who we are, where we live, or what we do. The only way to be rescued is to know the rescuer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then chapter 5, verse 13 uh, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just yeah. sitting there at the palace yeah. gate. Mm-hmm. And this kind of just the grief that I, I have when I see yeah. Haman. So this is Haman, and he's really at this verse, he's at the apex. Like he has more wealth than he can spend, a loyal wife, 10 sons, which was a big deal back then, (laughs) Mm -hmm. even now, even um, a position of power over everyone in the kingdom except the king himself and the favor of not only the king, but seemingly the queen, because in this verse, he had just left the fancy banquet that Esther put on for just the king and Haman, Mm -hmm. and yet... He has no satisfaction. Right. He has no peace. He's, there's no rest. He still needs more. Yeah. And that just, the, the picture that that gave me was the state of anyone without Christ. Yeah. Which I think Ephesians 2.12 sums up really well. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ without hope and without <laughs> God in the world. Mm-hmm. And then the contrast, a verse that I think just is really hopeful to me, Um, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your your youth is renewed like the eagles. Mm-hmm. So it's really sad to me, but that's something that captured my heart. Just the mm-hmm. lostness of Haman, mm-hmm. and seeing how even though he experienced tons of blessing, he never that was never enough because he wasn't seeking the one who gave him the blessings, who allowed yeah. those things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, George, you mentioned. The reversals mm-hmm. for Mordecai and Haman yep. Yep. and those things, just seeing like things that key. is the theme that is the oh, theme, yes. really. I mean, we go
1: back to theme thematic elements, but like Purim is about the reversal of expected ends, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and how that comes to home to roost in the cross of Christ ultimately, but in yeah. the resurrection. But yeah, yeah. sorry don't... to interrupt you. No,
0: you know, yeah. you're good, <laughs> but just all those symbols, like. Yeah. The king taking the signet ring back from Haman and giving it to Mordecai. And then um, Mordecai going from sackcloth and ashes to, oh, I'm leaving the king's presence clothed yeah. in royalty. See,
1: that, that's where I was going to get. That was kind of <laughs> my favorite part, too, is sort of the the imagery of, of a resurrected Mordecai. Mm-hmm. right? He, he, again, practically, for all intents and purposes... He becomes the king of the Jews, yeah. and so to see him having been in, having been dead, right, mourning sackcloth, mm-hmm. ashes, and then when he comes out from the presence of the king, uh, essentially raised from the dead, and and the impact of that mm-hmm. on the whole world,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not
1: just on the Jewish people, but on the whole world, yeah, mm-hmm. that was probably my favorite.
0: And that, like, that's our choice. Everybody has that choice to be Haman or Mordecai. Like you can choose which end, and the Lord invites us all to experience what Mordecai yeah. received, yeah. but it's up to us to choose.
1: Mm. Okay, yeah. Okay, so with that in mind, how or in what ways uh, did Esther point us to Jesus?
2: One of the biggest, I think, would just be the call to sacrifice as you follow As you follow Jesus, it's not all roses and we're not, we're not told it's going to be all roses. We're not told if we follow God that everything is going to go cleanly and Mm -hmm. we're going to have, you know, total success. I mean, even with Mordecai's rise Mm -hmm. and and Esther's, everything's not perfect, Um, but we see that God can work in that sacrifice and he calls us to kind of join him in the service
1: yeah and join him where he
2: already is i mean he's already at work here it's not like they're having to invite god wouldn't you just come help us here i mean god is already doing it and he's inviting them instead come be a part of what i'm already doing yeah so Hmm.
0: so thinking about um yeah just the whole of scripture and this being one little piece it's it's like the shadow right So a victory for God's people along the redemptive timeline, but not the final one. And so seeing how this story will repeat, there will be um, enemies of God and there will be temptation and struggle and finding your identity in Christ during a crisis, all of that. But then we have the hope of the final happy ending will occur. Um, And Jesus being the ultimate King who has Mm -hmm. no limits, or competition or anything like that. He will bring about the decisive and lasting deliverance of his people. Mm -hmm. And it's not a temporary reprieve like we see here. I mean, the Israelites, this is not their final battle. This is not the final enemy to stand against them. But Mm -hmm. we have the hope that one day every Haman will bow. Every King Ahasuerus will acknowledge the Mm -hmm. true king. And no one will rise up against his kingdom. And even thinking about how the Jews had that that day where they defended themselves. And Esther was like, maybe we have one more day of this in Mm -hmm. Susa. We won't need that (laughs) because all of God's enemies will kneel and he will reign forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I I think along the lines of typology, a good good bit... um, and And not so what's interesting to me is that that gets highlighted I think in Esther is that we find types of of Christ not just in the quote unquote heroes of the story but in the antagonists as well mm-hmm. so you can always flip the antagonist and mm-hmm. be like, well, Jesus is better you know he's better than the heroes too but but sure. he's he's different so you can look at a like we've mentioned and be like you can find a type a line to Jesus from a mm-hmm. right you can look at obviously Esther and see. Uh, her intercession for the people of God. If I perish, I mm-hmm. perish, you know, but I'm going to go and I'm going I'm to risk my life uh, in order to, to, to save and intercede for God's people. That's Christ ultimately. Uh, Mordecai, again, we mentioned functionally, he becomes king of the Jews. He's died. He's, he's kind of raised there. And so you can see that again, coming to a head in Jesus. But the one that really stuck out to me, and again, this is an antagonist, but Haman, what was ultimately the sign of the victory of God for the people of God? It was their enemy hung mm-hmm. on yeah. a contraption of wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was it was Haman hanged on the gallows. And uh and I think that just comes right across into the New Testament, but in a surprising way, because it's not it's not the enemy who's hanged, it's it's the Messiah. And he becomes the enemies. Like mm-hmm. he he becomes us, he becomes mm-hmm. Uh, the sinners and the, and the worst of all, you know, in order to to save us from our sins, and that becomes the sign of the victory of God for the people of God. It's Christ crucified, mm-hmm. and then raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. So sure, yep, yeah. okay. That's great. What good do you discern uh, God's done in our church by Esther this summer? Mm-hmm. Anything stand
2: out to you? Uh, two things uh, again the sovereignty has been a big issue actually of late just in our community and and people mm-hmm. you know understanding how God is working in you know mm-hmm. new believers in a biblical community of people yeah so that pair of sovereignty God's sovereignty over yeah. the affairs of man and salvation specifically yeah. and then just what God is doing with a covenant community a, a people of God yeah. not just individual believers who are sort of just doing their own thing and I, I have the church over here to help me but
1: mm-hmm. yeah. you
2: Starting from ground as a part of that community, and you're mm-hmm. you're really not separate from that in any way. Part of God's people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> nothing down to that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: I think I think we've gotten just in conversations with folks. I, I think that there is a kind of a new sense of like, there's not nothing in my life that's happening is is random. Mm-hmm. Like it's. Uh, it's deter- determined, uh, ordained. It's it's ordered by providence. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is God's providence in my in my life. So, even even yesterday during during service, we have some some people show up, and or or like we we're talking about Hannah's. Um, you know, a little blog post on reason, motherhood and how it falls. And she's covered the same exact thing that we've just heard John power preach for us on, you know, Mm -hmm. we just look at those things and go, wow, like the Lord has, has brought all this together. So just, I think a a greater, maybe a clearer understanding of, of the working of providence, working of God and providence Mm -hmm. and, and these kinds of things. And then I had heard uh, as well that through the course of those sermons, we had folks who, um, you know, were convicted of their, their sin and, and, mm-hmm. and were awakened, you know, to, um, uh, again, sort of the, the immediacy of their need mm-hmm. to, to turn away from sin and to, to stop rebelling against God and to, to run to Jesus, who's holding out his arms always, mm-hmm. like, come to me, and I'll save you, you know, or, or maybe it's just I'll reassure you that you're one of my mm-hmm. own or whatever. Sure. But, but I thought that was a piece of it as, as well in our church. All right. Well, listen. We're about to start up in John's Gospel in a week or two. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Anything you're especially looking forward to in that particular portion
2: of God's Word as we move forward? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, of course. I mean, the the big thing in John. I mean, everybody goes to to, to love, and God so loved the world. Yeah. Without kind of the whole behind that of God is going to separate and reveal. He's making himself, God is making Jesus very clear through all the miracles, through all the the, the teaching. This is unique. This is my son. This is mm-hmm. not just random prophet. This is not just a temporal king. This is my son. He's going to bring salvation. It's going to be different. Yeah. And then how that does separate people. So while God loves the whole world and he sends his son into it, people, that that brings rejection. There are people who are just mm-hmm. not willing to Come to Jesus and go, Yes, I, I see that. Mm. They just reject it. And so, this theme of separation and revelation the, the disciples seeing who Jesus is, but other people just seeing the same teachings, seeing yeah. the same miracles, and going, That's not for me. Mm. That's that's not God's. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that, mm-hmm. just knowing it's already there, but, you know, of really digging into that. Seeing it teased out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've read the book before, but I am just excited to see how God will mm-hmm. teach me new things. Um I think, you know, it's living and active God's mm-hmm. word, so there's always something new and fresh for us and just for him to reaffirm maybe old lessons that mm-hmm. I need to be reminded of and um I love the Old Testament, but I also just studying the life of Christ. I mean, it's mm-hmm it's going to be really good to see um, some new believers that I know that
1: um, yeah. we're going to be
0: looking at this together. And yeah,
1: the, it's written, he puts the purpose statement at the end of the mm-hmm. gospel, but it's written that they might believe mm-hmm. that Jesus is the son of God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And this is just the beginning. Like right. the, isn't the next verse, like if, if all the things that he did were written, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the world right. could not contain right. them. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah, just getting a glimpse of that. Yeah,
1: it is about the glory of the divine mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's all I got. I'm ready. <laughs> that's all I got. Anything to close? Any final thoughts? Not
2: particularly. About anything. I think we've covered it. Okay. <laughs> no, that was good. Good job. If you've stuck around, thank (laughs) you. I know this was a little bit longer than maybe we've we've done in the past, but blame it on Megan. We we, we won't. We won't. We will not. All right.
1: Thanks, everybody.